welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? What's up, David? It feels like uh, every week we come on here, it's like a totally different narrative. Last week, yeah, they had just lost to the Wizards, and it was like the worst loss of the season. They were 7-14, and and now we're back, you know, six, seven days later, and they've won three straight. Yeah, first three-game winning streak of the season for the Heat. Um, definitely some good signs. Definitely still some reasons for concern. Um, we're going to focus on all of it today. Um, I, I've got some overreactions planned, or overreactions or not, basically, uh, written out here um, off of this three-game winning streak, which, which as we mentioned, is the best three-game stretch of the Heat season. Um do you want to just uh, jump right into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, we'll start with the big picture one. Is The Heat is back. Do you buy that, or uh, is it an overreaction? Um, I think it's an overreaction. Um, they've beaten the Wizards, which is probably the worst team in the Eastern Conference or second worst team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and they've beaten the Knicks, which are – they're competitive, and you know they're going to be better with Derrick Rose, but they're going to be, I don't think, any better than a 500 team, in my estimation. I don't know. Yeah. They, maybe they fight for the eighth spot. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, so they, you know, until they go out and they're beating quality opponents, I, I can't say they're back. And they did block Washington to start this win streak, but the, the win in New York, they won by six. It was close until late in the game. And then, you know, last night's Knicks game, um, Tuesday night's Knicks game, was <laughs> he could have easily lost that game. They were losing for most of the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, and without Jimmy Butler, they looked lost um, for stretches, uh, and they ended up winning by two. So um, it, it is good. They need these. They needed these three wins, especially with a seven-game trip coming up. But I, I can't say they're back yet. Yeah, this three-game winning streak isn't the sign that they're about to, like, rip off five of seven on this West Coast trip coming up. But – um. You know, they, they needed to basically stabilize. You know, they they tried to tread water when Jimmy and uh, a bunch of guys were out uh, in the COVID protocols, and they really didn't do that. You know, so it basically made this, you know, they basically had six games, five home, and then the one on the road in New York that were all against pretty, uh, I don't want to say easy teams, but, but winnable, very winnable games. They go four and two in that stretch. Um, probably not quite as good as, you know, you would like if you're trying to, like, inspire massive confidence. But they had to basically, you know, get have a winning stretch there to, to just kind of stabilize. You know, now they're only a game out of eighth place in the East. Um, so, you know, I, I, I agree. It's, it's not as, you know, it's good. Obviously, they've won a couple in a row. There are some good signs, as we mentioned. But, you know, in the fourth quarter yesterday – or in the second half yesterday, only four guys scored. Jimmy scored the vast majority or plurality of, of the points. Uh, Bam had, you know, a couple, couple decent ones. Um, Tyler didn't score until the fourth quarter uh, when he hit a couple jumpers and had what ultimately was kind of the game-winning shot, um, a three in the, in the final minute. Um, and then Kelly Olenek hit one three. That was it. So, you know, the way I basically feel about this Heat team right now is like Jimmy Butler, since he's come back from COVID, 
from the COVID uh, protocols has been fantastic. Um, you know, as good as ever, basically. Like, honestly, even better than he was in the regular season last year. Um, looking, you know, looking like that, that superstar that he sort of solidified himself as in the postseason. You know, a, a clear top 15 or so guy. Um, and, you know, if you just have one of those guys, you're going to make the playoffs in the East, right? Like, unless you're the Wizards, I guess. You know, for the most part, if you have, like, a an unquestioned top 10, top 15 guy, you are a lock to make the postseason. Um, but it's all about the supporting cast for uh, just basically what your ceiling can be. And um, right now, the supporting cast, at least, you know, last night, um, has not played well enough. This team has is, is really kind of struggled with, with Jimmy Butler uh, not out there, on, on the offensive end at least. Seems like every game they're, you know, they – Gave up a 15-0 run with Butler on the bench yesterday. They gave up, and then another 7-0 run in the third quarter um, that basically forced him to to lead two comebacks. You know, they were down what 13, I think, when he checked back in in the first half, 12, 13, something 12, like that. I think. Yeah. yeah. So he had to, and they were leading at halftime basically when he came back in, and then obviously in the fourth quarter he comes in and they're down 10, I think. Um, and I think they finished on a 22, or they're down eight, I think, and finished on a 22 to 12 run. So that's not ideal, but, um, you know, at least Jimmy Butler is playing as well as ever. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, a balance. He talked about it last night, just the balance he has to strike, or got asked about it last night, he kind of gave a non-answer, but the balance he has to strike of, like, he loves to be the distributor, to the guy who kind of just orchestrates the offense, gets the most out of his teammates, but... Um, you know, they've needed him to really score and be assertive. Um, and as he said, he's just doing whatever it takes to win right now. And right now for them to win, they, they basically need him to be uh, that go-to scorer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's not surprising that, that the Heat are better when Jimmy's on the court. I think, you know, we all expect yeah. that. That was the case last season. But it has been surprising how bad they've looked when he's not on the court. And, and you know, things could change. You know, I mean, it's he's played in 12 games. But during these yeah, past – Four outs missed a couple, too, who's kind of their go-to bench guy. So, like, there are reasons for it, but yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's – I think that's, you know, that that's definitely worth mentioning. I mean, Goron, having him there to stabilize the offense when Jimmy's on the bench is huge, and I think we're seeing that. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the, yeah, I mean, the good the good news for the Heat is Jimmy's available – and he's going to play most of the game. <laughs> I think last night he played 36 minutes or, or so. Um, so, you know, for most of the minutes, they're going to be very good because he's on the court. But they have to find a way to at least survive those non-Jimmy minutes. I mean, he was a plus, what was he, plus 25 yeah. in the two-point win. Um, that means they were outscored by 23 points in the 12 minutes he was on the bench by the Knicks at home. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not good enough. Um, so yeah, that, that is a little alarming. Um, and you look at, the, you look at the numbers, it, it's, it's not just, it's not just last night. It's, um, for the season in the 12 games he's played, the Heat has outscored teams by 8.2 points per 100 possessions, which is basically the Lakers this season. Like they'd yeah. be, he'd be the third best team in the East, uh, in the, in the NBA. Um, and when he's not on the court, the Heat have been outscored by 8.4 points per 100 possessions, which is basically the worst team in the NBA. Um, so it's a huge swing and the heat can't be the worst in the NBA when he's not playing. Yeah. They have to just be a mediocre team. I think last, I think last year they were pretty much like almost even, um, when he wasn't on the court, which is basically all they have to be. Um, but this year they've really struggled without him. 
Yeah. It's, it's a reminder that, you know, this team is 10 and 14 as we talk right now. Um, if Jimmy doesn't miss those eight games, like, they're probably, you could probably flip that around. Like, he is proven himself to be that valuable. Um, yeah, I think I think at least go five and three in those games, right? I mean, I, without yeah. even looking at the schedule, just number wise, like it probably pans out to like five and three at least. Yeah, yeah, there's it's a significant swing, which uh, brings me to my next topic. Something we were talking about kind of jokingly last night, and I think we even mentioned it last week. Uh, Jimmy Butler should he be in the MVP conversation? Overreaction or uh, is it, is that uh, fair to consider? I I think you know I, I don't think he'll get real consideration until the Heat are like. A winning team, right? Um, but I, I think he definitely deserves some consideration. Um, I was looking at the uh, again the on-off numbers of other guys like Joel Embiid, who's you know one of the leading candidates I would say so far this season. Um, you know the, the Sixers are really good when he's on the court, eleven point four points. You know they're outscoring teams by by hundred possessions, but when he's not on the court, they're being outscored by three points uh, by hundred possessions. So yes, they're a lot better with him on the court, but they're not terrible. Or ba- you know, really bad when he's not playing. Same thing with LeBron. The the Lakers. I mean, they have AD, but you know, they're pretty much uh, they they got scored by two points per hundred possessions when Jim when LeBron's on the court. So the the swing, um, the the swing when Jimmy's not playing is is as big as anybody. Um, so I think for that reason alone, he deserves some some consideration. Yeah, and he got MVP votes last year. I'm looking at the. Uh... Voting from last season, uh, he got nine points, which was basically 11th in MVP voting behind guys like Pascal Siakam, uh, Chris Paul. Um, you know, everyone else is kind of like the guys who are normally probably just going to finish ahead of him. But, like, you know, like you said, he's probably never going to get real consideration. Like, it's going to be LeBron. It's going to be Jokic. It's going to be young. You know, just the way MVP voting works, unless you're, like, a putting together a historical statistical season, you're just not going to get like real consideration. But like, could he finish sixth or, or seventh? Like, if this team basically goes from what was their record when he got back? I guess they're four and six or four and two in their last six since he's gotten back. So they were six and twelve. Um, like, if, if they basically finish five six games over five hundred after that stretch they played without him, like, yeah, I mean. That's a huge turnaround for a team that, and especially after, you know, he's, a lot of times these MVP awards sort of factor in what happened in the prior postseason, right? Like, um, you not, like, they don't actually, like, obviously count for statistics or anything like that, but players kind of have their reputation. You, you know, it's kind of the same way I don't necessarily see Giannis getting real consideration this year, um, ultimately, because people have seen what he's done in the postseason a couple of years in a row. Um Jimmy is kind of the opposite of that, where, you know, you wonder, have we been taking him for granted? Is he really a better guy than maybe the statistics would say? Uh, to the point where, you know, like I said, I think Jokic is like a lot to finish ahead of him. I think LeBron, I think probably Giannis, probably Kevin Durant. And Embiid is, Embiid is a big one too this Embiid. year, I think. Yeah. yeah, and then like, but then after that, like, you know, Jimmy, he, uh, he'll get some second or third place votes probably in there and – um assuming that he keeps this up and that he keeps this up and, and basically continue this trajectory. Um, I don't think it's crazy to, like, talk about him in this race. No. Uh, talk about him winning. But. And, and I know, I mean, on-off numbers is not a, is not like a, a 
super advanced statistic, but it is something that sometimes gets overlooked. But if you look at that, I mean, it's hard to argue his value to the Heat. I mean, again, they're the Lakers when he's playing, and they're the worst team in the NBA when he's not. And again, it's probably going to stabilize a little bit when Goran comes back. I don't expect them to be uh, struggle this much when you know when he's on the bench, but. So far, and and last night was huge. It was like the the biggest proof of kind of what's been going that that trend. Um, it's like you said, every time he stepped on the court or stepped off the court, there was a run that began. Um, he kind of dictated the game. Like his sub, the substitution pattern of Jimmy Butler last night dictated uh, the entire game pretty much. Yeah, basically the only time they were outscored with him on the floor last night was the start of the second half when they went into halftime with a lead, and I think when he checked out, they were down. Uh, three, and then, like I said, they went on like a seven-zero run, and it was they were down eight by the time he came back in. Um, but yeah, he was. I mean, they, they brought him in with the ten-minute mark, which is a couple of minutes earlier than usual. So you could basically tell that uh, they knew what they had to do to win last night, and and you know they're the Heat are obviously kind of feeling the pressure of like, especially against a team like the Knicks, like you got to get those wins at home um, if you're trying to make up ground and, and get back into the postseason. And as we mentioned last week, you really want to get up to the sixth spot. So they're, they're game out of the eighth right now. Um, but you would love to avoid that playing game. And I, it's early, but it's a huge cluster basically between um, really between third and third and nine, 10, 11, 12th are separated by three and a half games right now. So um, every, every one of those wins, especially against, teams you got to beat matter um and that is that is what a value is right now is he you basically can guarantee yourself a win against teams like the Knicks the you know the Cavs the Wizards the Magic the teams you got to beat uh you basically guarantee yourself a win if he's on the floor for a certain amount of time can we I mean uh, it's crazy that the Heat are two and a half games out of the four seed three three games out of the three seed um It just shows you that uh, we might have, and I know we're playing overreaction, underreaction right now, but we might have overreacted a little bit to the Heat struggles early on just because it was bad, and but they were missing a lot of guys, but there's still so much season to be played, and it feels like almost everybody in the East is, is kind of going through something just because of the, yeah, the Celtics, uniqueness of the season. Tatum was in the COVID protocols for a while. Um, Kevin Durant's in the COVID protocols right now for the for the third-place Nets. Um and then, you know, some of the teams that are, like, a lot of the teams ahead of the Heat that we talked about, like the Knicks are ahead by percentage points. Um, the Hornets, the Hawks are, are teams that haven't been hit as much, but we just know aren't quite as good of teams, right? So it, it, there's, like, a mix of between, you know, the Sixers and the Bucks have gotten through this pretty cleanly and have basically played to expectations, if not better, in, in the Sixers' case, certainly. Um, and then a lot of the, the teams that we expected to be like three, four, five, six in the East have, have been hit by stuff, um, and really it's really affected them. And then that's let some of these teams get off to really hot starts. So yeah, I, I expect it to stabilize certainly as close to the playoffs. And I still basically expect the playoff picture to look, for the most part, like what we expected it to look like in the regular season. I think that's kind of what we've learned from the last three games from the Heat is that, um, you know, they're ultimately, you know, maybe they're they're not as good as they were last year. Maybe they're they're ultimately pretty disappointing so far, but they're still better than the Knicks is and the, and the uh, Wizards of the world. 
from the Cavaliers and, and, and the Cavs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I agree. All right, um, Duncan Robinson. He is slumping right now. Um, the league has figured him out. Overreaction or not? Um, I do think they're defending him a little differently. But yeah, he mentioned that, right? Yeah, he, and he's mentioned that multiple times. But I, I, I don't think the league has figured him out. I, I, he's also, he's also still, even with like, what did he shoot last night? He shot um, 0-4. 0 5 from three. Uh, he's still shooting 39.4% on threes. So even in this slump, when I think when it began, he was shooting like 41%, which is very good for a volume three-point shooter like he is. Um, he's still only shooting 39%. I would expect him to still, you know, once he starts making threes again, he's going to get over that 40% mark. And, yeah, maybe he won't have the historically great three-point shooting season he had last year. Uh, but I still expect him to be one of the, you know, probably finish with, among the guys with, that make the most threes in the league and, and a, a pretty high percentage for a guy who takes so many, uh, mm-hmm. so many of those three point shots. So, um, and just him being out there is, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but just him being out there makes such a difference. Like, there's a reason why he's playing 33 minutes a game. When, yeah, he's not the best defender. Teams will pick on him at times. Um, you know, he wasn't making shots last night, but he still played. 33 minutes last night. So he's still very valuable. Um, and I would, I would expect that he, you know, the threes will start going in again uh, soon. Yeah. I think basically a lot of the, like, you know, obviously just that percentage, as you mentioned, is like, we're not used to seeing Duncan shoot in the forties at this or in the thirties at this point. So, you know, that that's eye popping and he is in a slump, but I think a lot of it as you, you know, he, he's got the gravity, but a lot of the reason that, like, it's noticeable that he's struggling is because, like, everyone else is struggling, right? Like, other than, like, Jimmy and, um, you know, even Bam was only, you know, three of nine from the field last night. Um, you know, Tyler ultimately finished with 15 points, but missed a whole bunch of layups and uh, mid-range jumpers, although he hit a couple uh, down the stretch there. You know, that's what Duncan does is he opens up those lanes, like, in the first half last night, the Heat missed two dunks and two, and Tyler Hero missed two layups. Like, that is at least some percentage basically because Duncan's on the floor, right? Like, he's creating that space, and, and the Heat just aren't making the most of the space he's creating right now. And, and then, you know, you end up picking Duncan Robinson apart because that 0 for 7 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3, um, and, you know, he gets picked on on defense, obviously. That all starts to stand out. More, you know, even if he just goes two for five from three and scores like eleven points or whatever, he's four last night, so ten points. Um, it like that's it's a huge difference, and especially in a two point game, obviously. And yeah, I think the league is defending him differently. The Heat need to he needs to probably the Heat and he together need to figure out probably different kinds of ways to get him open rather than you know he's obviously so good at coming around screens and. He probably runs as much as like anyone in the league over the course of a game, um, but the the way the teams are defending him, it obviously is opening up a lot, and the Heat just got to kind of take advantage of that. Yeah, and, and one one more thing about Duncan, he, just one game ago he went four or ten on threes. Right, exactly. So, like it, it happens. There are swings. Yeah, and, and I think one of the reasons because I st- I feel like he's in the slump too, which is crazy. Because again, he just went four of ten on threes, which is good, uh, pretty you know decent. Uh, it's just that he hasn't had one of those like, you know how he every like five games he made like seven threes or something right. like that. Like he yeah. hasn't had one of those 
since the, the Raptors like back to back, right? Didn't he have a huge game over in Tampa. He the last time he made over more than five threes was um, the win against the Pistons at home on January 18th. So like four weeks ago, yeah. he he was six of nine, which is a very good night on threes. But again, he he hasn't like one of those nights where he's like seven or eight threes or seven and a half, um, where you know he's he's done in the past. So I'm still waiting for one of those Duncan nights where you just can't miss and he's basically you know scores 21 points on seven of eight shooting on threes in like the first two quarters, um, but. You know, that hasn't happened a little bit. All right, Kendrick Nunn has continued. Uh, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago because he was uh, a huge part of the Heat. Uh, the Heat's success, relative success. He was a bright spot during the, uh, the eight games or ten. What was it? I guess it was ten games. I think it was. I said it was eight games earlier um, without Jimmy and, and when they were really shorthanded. He was a bright spot. He has continued to be a bright spot. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is back to the player he was in the first half of last season. Overreaction or not? I, I can't say it's an overreaction because he kind of does look like that. And he's even been yeah. more – I think he's been more efficient than even he was during that stretch. Um, can he sustain it over the entire season? I mean, I think he's shooting like 50% from the field during this stretch. I, I don't think he can sustain that because he'd be um, one of the best players in the league if he did. But um, I, I do think he looks a lot better. Um, he's making his shots. He's making threes. He's really been, I don't know where, and I know we've talked about the value of Jimmy Butler, um, but Kendrick Nunn's, uh, you know, scoring ability without him, I don't know where this offense would be with Goran out and Avery Bradley out. Like he's, he's been really important just his shot making ability. So, um, I, I don't think it's an overreaction just because, um, statistically over the past like 10, 11 games, he's been probably better than he was um, in the first half of his rookie season. Yeah, The thing I like about him is that the Heat can kind of use him in a lot of different ways. Like you mentioned, he's obviously kind of been the the Goron replacement um, over the last few games that he has missed. And and obviously he does that pretty well. He um, can create – his assist numbers, I believe, are up this year from last year. Um, He is – probably like their second best instant offense guy behind Jimmy Butler, um, kind of right there with Bam in terms of just like, if nothing is working on offense, give it to him. And there's a decent chance he's going to create a decent look from, you know, the mid range jumper or pull up three or um, obviously attacking the rim. Um, But then he can also basically like kind of pivot into spot up shooter. Like if, you know, last night when uh, no one was hitting from three, you know, he can basically be that floor spacer. He had, I think, three threes in the first half. Um, when Tyler, I don't think, made a shot in the first half. Obviously, Duncan didn't make a shot in the whole game. Um, they needed him to be that floor spacer, um, and he provided that also. So, you know, even when Goran gets back, you know, it's we talk about it all the time with him. They're not going to need him every night. Um, at this point, he might play every night because he's kind of earned that. Um, but he... If there's something not working, he is a guy who can plug into a lot of different roles um, and give them a big boost in in a variety of different ways. And it's a little different than he was kind of at the start of last year where he was really kind of like a just a pure scorer. I think he's learned that that is not 
what is going to like work for him in the NBA, right? Like you have to be an elite scorer basically to make that work and be a guy who can contribute to a good team. And obviously we saw him follow the rotation in the playoffs because that was, he was sort of a one dimensional guy. I think the fact that he can, you know, like I said, his assist numbers are up. I think the three point shooting, he's at 35% right now, which is, you know, pretty good considering how many like pull up threes and stuff he takes. Um, I think he has found out more ways to be useful to the Heat team even than he was in the first half of last year. He's not going to have like those 30 plus point explosions probably as much as he did. Uh, in the first half of last year, but I think he's more valuable to this team than he has ever been right now. Yeah, in the last 10 games, 17.6 points a game, 50% shooting from the field, 38% shooting on threes, 81% yeah, 3%, shooting at the line. The three-point like, percentage is big. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, again, I don't know if he can sustain that because that's, you know, that's like all-star type efficiency, but uh, especially for a guy who, who takes so many outside shots. Uh, but he, it has been so important for the Heat. Um, to kind of keep the offense flowing while Goran and and Avery um, are out. Um, he, he's looked really good, and it, it kind of feel good for Kendrick because it looked for a little bit like, will he ever get a consistent rotation role again? You know, after they added Avery and after, you know, Kendrick, Kendrick struggles uh, in the bubble and even to start this season, but it looks like he's come around. And I think, like you said, I think he's earned um, definitely some minutes, even when the team is healthy, just because of his um, ability to score. Yeah, I've always like thought he had a good, you know, in, in college, his senior year at, at Oakland, he was second in the nation in three-pointers made behind only Trey Young and shot 39% on them. So, like, it's not great. You know, 38, like you said, is pretty high. But, like, that has always been to me, like, where he could become really valuable. You know, he's not obviously the same defender as, like, a guy like George Hill. But you think what George Hill did last year where he was, like, one of the Bucks' most important players because he – could handle the ball, he could, like, be that backup point guard, but then could also, you know, play with Giannis as a spot-up shooter. Um, and that's, like, kind of what I think Kendrick Nunn's, like, best-case scenario is. And and Eric Spolster has talked about what he thinks he's got a pretty good defensive ceiling, too. We obviously, you know, haven't necessarily seen it yet. But, but the offensive side, I think he is more multidimensional as an offensive player than um, he showed last year and then, then people typically give him credit for. All right, uh, next one. Kelly Olenek is the Heat's third best player. Overreaction? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I, You know, I, I, you look at Kelly's numbers, like when he's really good, when he's making yeah. his threes, the Heat are usually a very right. good team, and they win most games. Um, and when he's bad, the team struggles. So he's he's a good, like, barometer for – um, you know, how, how well the team is playing, I think. But um, he's just so up and down. Like, the up and down, up and downs of Kelly are, are many. You know, there'll be stretches where he he, he struggles uh, shooting. Um, mm-hmm. And then there'll be a four or five game stretch where he shoots 60% on threes and he's averaging 18 points a game. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Kelly, especially in that starting role next to Bam, is important because they need a guy who can stretch the floor. Um, you know, Mo Harkless obviously hurt. Andre, they don't want to start. They don't have Jake Crowder anymore. Myers Leonard is out for the season. Um, you know, it's kind of Kelly and that's, I mean, KZ, they've tried and it didn't seem to work out yet, you know, with him in that starting role. So Kelly seems to be the guy moving forward. Um, so he is going to be important, but I, I can't say he's the third best player. I mean, this team still has Goron and when healthy, I still think Goron is the third best player and also Tyler Hero, who, um, you know, despite some, some struggles in his second NBA season. 
Um, you saw the the shot making, shot creating ability uh, of Tyler late, in, you know, in that win against the Knicks. He's not their third best player, obviously, but I think you could make a case he's been like their third most valuable player this season. Just he's been in there. Uh, he's got to be one of the teams later in games played. Um, you know, not obviously not the fairest barometer this year, but it's important, obviously, in, in a team where in a season where this team has missed so many guys, uh, so many games, the injuries and, and COVID protocols. Um, you know, he's been in there a lot. He has like you said, stabilize that front court, that, that post spot next to Bam. Um, and that was sort of the biggest question for this team for the first month of the season, it felt like, was was who could be that guy. For now, he certainly feels like he's going to be or is the best option to be that guy. Um, and right now, he is, you know, his three-point shooting has been really valuable. Uh, you know, last night was obviously the biggest example of it going five of six from three in the first half when, like I said, Duncan obviously didn't hit a three. Tyler didn't hit a three for the first uh, 20 plus or didn't hit a shot for the first 20 plus minutes of the game. Like they, they, his, it's weird to say consistency because his his shooting obviously is, has been inconsistent uh, historically, but he has just, like I said, the present, the consistent presence in the lineup and um, this, Basically, like, in baseball, they have a stat that's, like, VORP, right, where it's, like, value over replacement player. It's, like, how much more important are you than your backup, basically. Um, that's been huge for him this year, where they've really struggled to, to stabilize that power forward spot. Um, and, and I think he has given them that, and, you know, inevitably he's going to hit a cold stretch, and Spoh's going to lose confidence in him, and he'll go to the bench for a couple of games, and then he'll get hot, and then he'll be back in the lineup. But uh, for now... I think he's been their best option at at that spot, and it's a spot where they right now don't have a lot of other great options. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I I was just thinking like, what would happen if he were to get hurt? Like, who? I mean, I guess it would be KZ or Andre at this point because Mo's out, um, and Myers is out. But it's like, yeah, they don't. I don't know what the, who they would turn to in that spot. I mean, Kelly is. Kelly makes so much sense, and I think he is, you know, unless the team makes a trade, which is certainly possible, I think he's the long-term starter um, right now moving forward just because, like you said, they're, they're, I don't know what the what the secondary option would be um, to fill that role. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's like fourth on the team in po- total points so far, so that's just a good behind, you know, Bam, Jimmy, and or he's actually ahead of Jimmy, but behind Bam and Hero and, and Duncan, who are obviously two of the other guys, the, the other three guys who have basically played every game. So, um, and he's doing it very efficiently. So, uh, he's not the, not the third best, but he might be their third most important right now. I guess that's, that's, the way I feel. that's fair. I, I I could agree with that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, last one. This is a make or break road trip for the Heat. Overreaction, or uh, is that a fair assessment of what these seven games Miami has coming up? Um, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction because I think the chances are they're going to go like three and four in the trip, and they're going to come back, and it's going to be the same story of like, okay, yeah. they still have to dig themselves <laughs> out of this hole. You know, like it's it, it will be a break. You know, it, will, it would be I guess a make or break um, trip if they go, you know, zero and seven. And they come back ten and twenty one, then right. yeah, that would probably be uh very you know, very painful for them and, and hard to come back from. But 
Um, I, I still think chances are, you know, they go three and four or something like that, four and three on the trip, um, and they come back and and there's still a little a few games on their 500, and you know the the storyline still okay. Can they get back to 500? They're still in, they're still within you know within reach of that four or five spot in the East, um, and you know the, the season continues. So I I I would say more uh, more likely than not, um, this trip is important that they at least you know get a few wins on it, but. It, it, it's they're going to come back in a pretty similar position than uh, you know as they are right now. I would say. Yeah, I think it has a better chance to be a make road trip than a break road trip. I think the only way you're like feeling terrible if you come back uh, is if you go know, like one and six or zero oh and seven. Uh, as we mentioned, the East is it's a cluster uh, between three and twelve or whatever. So odds are you're going to still be within well within striking distance of a play-in spot well within striking distance of uh, the eight seed and probably well within striking distance of the six seed, no matter what happens uh, these next two weeks out West. Um, but if you come back and you're, you know, you go four and three, let's say, then you probably haven't made up a lot of ground, but that's, this is arguably the hardest stretch of the whole schedule. Um, and well, we don't know the second half of the schedule yet, David. That's true. <laughs> I'm but I'm guessing a seven yeah. game road trip that includes both LA teams um yeah, no, you're the right. The Warriors and who else am I forgetting? There's another good team out there. Is it Houston, uh, Utah? Clippers, Utah, Lakers, Utah. Yeah. and the Warriors are probably the four best teams they play on the trip. Yeah, like that's uh, – I'm assuming that two weeks on the road with those four teams on the schedule is, is as tough as it's going to get. Um, and, you know, like you said, you're, you're probably going out there, if you're a Heat fan, hoping they come back basically like three and four. Um, and – if you do that, then obviously you're you're in really good shape to make this final push. Yeah, if you go three and four, you know, if we play this out, they're thirteen and eighteen when they return, and then they have four of their next, you know, four of their final five games before the break at home. Um, yeah. Toronto, Utah, which are you know two, those aren't easy games, and two against Atlanta and, and the Pelicans. So those are five kind of challenging games, but um, you know, they this team could be <laughs> it's crazy, but they could be like. Right around 500 when this when the break comes around. If they go three and four and they go like you know four and one or three and two in that five game stretch at you know at home, um, they could be two or three games under only. So um, after everything, I think if you get to the break, you know two games away from 500, I think you take that and and you kind of pick up from there in the second half when the schedule resumes. Yeah, all things considered, you would definitely have to uh, call that a win. Um, I think we can finish up there though. Um, thanks as always for listening. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, Anthony, you got anything you're working on right now? No, I'm just uh, preparing my coffee for these late West Coast trips. I'm used to covering the West Coast trips, you know, from the West Coast when it's you know 7:30 start times, but uh, it'll be 10:30 starts covering this team from home. So yeah, you gotta um, make sure you don't fall asleep on your couch. A lot of cafecito those nights for sure. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, nothing too exciting I'm working on. I'll have, I'll have a story come in uh, sometime this week uh, about Devin Hester, who becomes eligible for the Hall of Fame in uh, 2022. And I know he's a fan favorite for a lot of my anime people. So, uh, But other than that, I'm helping out with the Heat. So uh, check out MiamiHerald.com slash sports. Uh, the Panthers are really good right now. I haven't really watched them very much, but I think they're like 7-0-1 or something like that, or 7-1-1, so, um, you know, they've been, it's been good to read about them, uh, 
Marlins coming up. So we're, we're it's been a little bit of a quiet stretch of the sports calendar down here in South Florida. But uh, it's about to crank up, and, and this West Coast trip uh, should be a fun one. So thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. 